take your Bibles. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 1. And I'm going to read uh, from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Words will also be up on the screens, should be. So follow along as I read. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left, to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on, on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, with Jen Waters speaking at the women's gathering, like, everybody in the world should go to that. So I know it's a bummer that it's just... Uh, for the ladies, but any lady who's given birth to five sets of twins, when they're going to speak on their life, like it should be like, I'm listening to whatever you have to say. Like that is, uh, that's gotta be, it's gotta be a record somewhere for sure. Um, it's amazing. Um, but for us, when we're looking at, uh, and I promise I'm not titling a message 2020 vision, like, you know, I mean, Come on, that's like low-hanging fruit, right? Going into 2020 and just all of the opportunities for puns and all that stuff. But uh, this is our last Sunday in 2019. And I was just thinking about the planting of this church in 2019, what the Lord has done, the people sitting in this room and people who have been a part of the church, people who came Christmas Eve and just what the Lord is doing. I don't think we could have anticipated any of that this time last year. This time last year, we could have thought like, well, maybe the church would look like this, but we just had no idea. And uh, I think if the Lord shared with us everything he was going to do, we would freak out, hide in a corner, and just suck our thumb. Like, because it'd feel like, that's too much. Like, how could all that happen? That feels too scary. And uh, I think as we look at 2020, like, we have no idea what God's going to do. Uh, we have no idea the things he's going to call us to do. We have no idea the things that he's going to invite us into as he continues to, to go after. And the reason we name this church Sacred Mission Church is not because of any of our mission, but believing that Jesus is alive and well 
and he himself is on a sacred mission for the people of this community and to use the, these people of this community for a bright light to shine in dark places and to, to draw all people to himself. And it's his mission that we get to be a part of. And, uh, and so, like, in light of where we've come, in light of where God may lead us into, uh, just a huge question, I think, is how can we just keep going? How can we keep, instead of, like, tapping out or being like, man, this is far enough. I'm, I'm comfortable here. Let's stay here. Like, how can we actually maybe just be getting started? And how could we actually step into a season where, like, in 2020, it might be like, wow, I thought, I thought we were just going to hit cruise control. And it seems like God wants us to go into places that, um, that I didn't think he was going to call us to go into. And I feel like Joshua 1 is like that moment. Um, Joshua 1 is, so you see it starts by after the death of Moses. I mean, most people, I, I pr actually preached at a, um, at a homeless shelter one time, and I was like, we all know who Moses is, but we don't know. But how many people have heard of Joshua? And I saw people when I said, we all have, know who Moses is, like a lot of people were like, never heard of the guy, you know? Uh, so even in our culture, there are some people who have never heard of Moses, and that's okay. Like, if that's the first time you've heard Moses, like, now is good <laughs> to hear about Moses. But Moses is probably one of the most well-known people in the entire Old Testament. Uh, Moses, David, uh, some of these people that just a lot of the Bible and a lot of the story of what God was doing happened around these people. And so, so at this time, what has already happened is that we've had the plagues in Egypt. So God's people were slaves in Egypt. Have you seen the pyramids? No joke. Like, it's a good chance that God's people as slaves were doing that level of construction projects. So if you were going to be a construction slave being in Egypt at that time was not a good time uh, to, uh, to be alive. It was hard, and they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt during the time of all of those building things. But then God used those plagues to, and used Moses to get them out of Egypt. They come to this giant sea, and then they see God just split the sea, and they walk across it as dry ground. Then they, they're in the desert, and I've actually been in this part of the, the wilderness, and man, there's nothing growing everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you look, there's nothing. There's no grass, there's, there's nothing, a whole lot of desert. And this is where a million people have to survive. And so they survive by God actually sending manna from heaven, bread-type uh, provision. Then he, he brings um, some protein through, through quail and stuff like that. Uh, then he also provided a cloud during the day because there's no buildings for people to get into to not get sunburned. So he provides this giant pillar of a cloud during day, and then it's cold at night, even in the desert, it's that way today, um, and then he provides this giant column of fire to warm everybody. And so they're fully dependent on God for everything. And in Joshua 1, though, that's all in the rearview mirror. And here, it's like, man, what is 2020 going to be like? Or for them, like, what is coming next? And look how in Joshua 1, how God brings them into what he's doing. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, 
the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So he didn't go with like Moses' next best warrior or the greatest priest, but he goes with Moses' assistant and he tells him, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, some of you have been deployed, have seen the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And I think just one, like, just to take all of that in, like one thing that just comes to the surface is that God prepares us for his mission. Right? He doesn't sit around and he's not like, hey, what do you guys want to do? I'm game. He's like, hey, I've got the plan. <laughs> Here's how it's going to go down. And he, he cares a lot, not just about like, hey, fall in, but he's actually preparing us for his mission. And man, for Joshua, Joshua could have been like, of course God's doing huge things through Moses. He's Moses. I'm an assistant. I'm Moses' assistant. He's not going to do huge things through me. I, I think it's very possible. Joshua isn't a priest. He isn't, hasn't been in massive positions of leadership. But God is preparing him and preparing them for his mission. And I love before he leads them into the next stage of what he has for them, he makes sure they know it's all going to work out. It's going to be an incredible victory. Isn't it, wouldn't that be cool? Like if we had the same guarantee. Look at this guarantee. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given to you. It'd make you be like, man, let's walk around. If every place that we're walking to is ours, I think we need to go for a long walk. Just as I promised to Moses. And then look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you or against you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you, and I won't leave you or forsake you. Man, imagine if Sacred Mission Church, if we had that same guarantee. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, hey, no one's going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Every place that you, every door you knock on, every neighbor that you walk up to their front door, like I victoriously am going ahead of that and going before you. But then check out verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. I think this should feel weird to us. It should feel like a strange, a strange thing for him to say. God has already guaranteed the victory but twice in this little section, we're told to be strong 
and courageous and then very strong and courageous. Um, weird example, as like we're approaching snowfall, potentially, um, if I told my kids, hey, I just bought the most killer sledding gear. Like, the best sleds, most incredible boots, the best mittens, it's all at Shields. All of it's at Shields. I, I got it, like, set it's on layaway or whatever. It's paid for. It's yours. You just got to pick it up. I'd be like, what? I'm like, yeah, you just have to pick it up. And then I was like, oh, 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 oh hey, by the way, be strong and courageous. Oh, wait, hey, uh, you guys are, you're getting ready to go out the door. Okay, just one more time. Be strong and very courageous. It's yours. Be strong and very courageous. I mean, I think they'd be like, what's going to happen? <laughs> why, why do, why do, I don't understand. But then the Lord gives them in verses 7 through 8, just very practical instructions for how to be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Look at this. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So this is incredible. Here he's saying like, I, I'm guaranteeing the success of the mission that I'm sending you on. But crucial in you having success is meditating on this day and night. It's in the bag, but you need to meditate on this day and night. I think, well, like, why? Why is he leading us into this? I think just a, a simple way to say it is God cares about us as the mission is underway. God cares about us as the mission is underway. It's, a, it's an interesting turn that I don't think we would expect in God telling Joshua to be strong and courageous, picking up what's already been given to him, the promised land. And I think like if I stick with like sending my kids and Patty to Shields to just get the sledding gear, if I was like, hey, by the way, um, as you're in the car, I wrote this booklet for you. And so as you're in the car, you just need to read this thing like frontwards and backwards. You need to know this booklet like intimately as you go and pick it up. Just, just, if you start getting freaked out, just like read it intimately to be strong and very courageous. Um, you know, I think that they would just be like, okay, something's going to happen. And this is a, a silly Shields example, right? They might even be like, I think we got good enough stuff at home. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think we're good. But this is God actually leading people into his promises and leading him people into where he is actually wanting to take people and telling them like for you to hang with me and for you to actually do the things I'm calling you to do um, meditate on this 
Why? Why is he doing this? And I think it's because the things that God calls us to do would be crazy if they were done without God. They wouldn't make sense. They would be crazy. But if they're done with God and by God and he is the one doing them, the things he calls us to are possible and they could actually make a huge difference in our lives, in our families, in our hearts, in our community. Look what he does in Joshua chapter 1, okay? Uh, It would be incredible to just walk through each of these, but the first thing he tells Joshua to do is to lead a million people through a river that's in flood stage. I mean, imagine like, it's like, okay, Moses is gone. Okay, Joshua, we hear Joshua's hearing from God. Really? Yeah, Joshua's hearing from God, and we got a meeting at 10 a.m., and he's going to tell us all what the plan is. Awesome. Okay, you show up, and Joshua's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take all of y'all. We're going to take all of us, and we're going to go through the river. He'd be like, awesome, where are the bridges? And he'd be like, No, I mean, like, literally, we're just going to walk into the water with our feet. We're just going to walk in the water and see what happens. God God called us to do that. Then, the second thing God asked him to do is, hey, one of the most ancient cities in the world that is well fortified, and, um, and you can go there today. They've even left a lot of the walls there. These walls are many feet thick around Jericho. And Jericho, archaeologists have shown, it's one of the most ancient cities in the world, and it had these amazing walls around it. And then Joshua's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to take down Jericho. It's going to be the first city. We're going to walk around it about a dozen times, and then we're just going to yell. That, that's what we're going to do. We're going to yell. Victory, man, we got, we got the victory. Did you hear? We're going we're gonna to walk around Jericho, right? Everywhere your feet go, it's yours. So let's just walk around Jericho and, and let out a, a yell. Um, both of those things, I think, would certainly freak us out if we were called to lead those charges. I think we'd be so, like, I'd be so up in my head and insecure and being like, man, I'm responsible to lead these people, and I'm telling them to just walk in the water? What if they get swept away? You know, like, and we're we're leading with the ark and the Ten Commandments? Like, that's in the front? We're going to let that get swept away first? Like, this is going to be a disaster. Uh, Then we're just going to walk around the city. They're going to make fun of us. And that's going to be bad for my self-esteem. And no one wants to be made fun of. And and just kind of on and on and on, right? But I think meditating on the word of God and of Joshua is like hearing and seeing what our God can do. Reading and seeing his heart. Reading and seeing and having his heart brought alive by by the way that he operates. I think when God's like, hey, I want you to walk into the Jordan River, he'd be like, sounds like something he'd lead us into. Yeah, that, yeah. Seems like, seems like something that he could do. Like he, he wants to get the glory alone. And he's doing it in a way that if he is not real and powerful, it, it's not going to work. But knowing he has called us into this, knowing his power, knowing his might, it's like, 
yeah, let's do it. This is as clear orders as we could get from the king on high. He has said, walk into the water, and that's what we're going to do. And if you're familiar with this part of the Bible, or this is one of your first time hearing the story, like what actually happened is, um, is incredible. And this is my son's middle name is Banks, Silas Banks. And it's not a family name. It's not because we want him to like own a bank one day or anything. Um, it's because my wife and I were both blown away by the story of the faith that it would take for these people on the banks of the Jordan River to just take a step into the water. Like we were like, man, those people had seen their parents' faith in the Red Sea. They had seen their parents exercise great faith, but it was one of the first times that this generation of people were like, okay, he said it, he's good, he's leading me, I'm taking it on the banks of the Jordan River, I'm taking a step in the water, believing that God can do whatever he calls us to do. And the water parted. They walked across it on dry ground. Archaeological records even show you can see the burn levels of cities all dated around that time as a million people uh, were given the promised land and walked into there. Then they, they get to Jericho. They walk around it a dozen times. When they yell, the walls fall down, and only God could have done that. They did uh, things that only God could have done, but he did them. And he didn't communicate this from on high. He wasn't like, hey, let me know how it goes. Check out how verse 9 ends. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Look at this. This is his reason to not be frightened, to not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is with us as the mission is underway. Okay, he is not far away. He's not a far away. He is near and with us. God is right in the mix. He was there with Joshua and he's there with us. Great things were promised then for Joshua. I think like, man, there's part of me that would be like, I would love to have been on the ground. I would have loved to be a part of that as Joshua and, and the people of God saw all of that. But I think today... I think I could even guarantee you that Joshua would be jealous of us and jealous of, of where we stand in the history of God's people. Greater things, greater things are we involved in today. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is kind of like our personal Joshua 1. Matthew 28, uh, verse 18, Jesus starts by saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus doesn't just start by saying, hey, there's a nation in the Middle East, there's a large piece of land, and in that large piece of land, there's, you're going to have victory there. He says, all of heaven and all of earth is mine. Jesus said, like, that is mine, and God prepares us for his mission too. Here's the grandest of all victories. Jesus has all authority everywhere. Jesus the creator came and he lived a perfect life that we should have lived. We should have been put on the cross, but it was on the cross that Jesus paid for our sins. He died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. His resurrection conquered death, so now all may have life in him. With that victory 
Look what he prepares for us by saying in verse 19, go therefore. So we're not going to go and um, conquer a land. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So he had God's people in Joshua's day inhabit the promised land, but now, catch this, now he is forming a promised people. This is the promised land, and we are his promised people. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. And just as it was with Joshua, it's true about us. God cares greatly about us as the mission is underway. Look at verse 20 again at the beginning. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So just as we see Joshua pouring over the word and being like, what's he calling us to do? Wow, that looks like something he called us to do. Let's go. The same he's given to us teaching them to observe that all that I have commanded you. And then, as he said to the people of God during Joshua's day, look at this, the end of verse 20. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as he told Joshua, I'm with you, he tells us, I'm with you. God is with us as the mission is underway. God had his people then take a step in the Jordan River and see what would happen for their faith to become sight. And he works the same today. And so as we wrap up this morning, the question for each of us, I think the big, like, real question for each of us is, like, what is your Jordan River? What is your Jordan River right now? Because our God is pursuing us. A scripture tells us that he is fully committed to make our lives look like Jesus' life, wanting to transform us, teach us his ways. He's always leading us into a mission. It's for his good. It's for his glory. He's never content to leave us where we are. There's always a ton of room for growth in being made like Jesus. And uh, I think it's a good thing just to like make it a prayer and then to actually like Assume that he's going to answer your prayer in what is my Jordan River? What is the thing that God's calling me into in 2020? It could be several things, could be one big thing, but what is God calling me into that takes that? I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know how it's going to work out. They had no idea what was going to happen when they took a step into the water. And we don't know what it's going to look like but we know what his heart looks like and we know the type of God he is. It could be something like attending a community group, as Mark was talking about that. Attending a community group. Man, you might think like, well, that's not a very big step, stepping into as big as stepping into a flooded river, but I, if I were Satan, I think um, getting a person to step right in the middle of a community that's dedicated to looking at God's word together living out God's word together, pushing back darkness in our community together, caring for our community together, man, I would do whatever I could to get someone to not step into that type of community. And that could be, and you could even say like, well, man, I've been hurt by those in the past, or um, there, there could be all sorts of reasons uh, that are real. And, um, but, man, stepping into a community group could just be a massive step of, into a Jordan River um, it could be taking the initiative to get marriage counseling. 
you might be no longer content to just live as roommates or to walk along somebody, walk along a neighbor and to not say like, hey, we're just in this for our kids, but instead to be like, you know what? God, his mission is underway and he can restore, he can redeem, he can transform things that we didn't even think were possible. And it would freak me out if I knew what it was going to take to get there. But where God says, be strong, be very courageous, keep your eyes on me, and I'm going to see you through this thing. Man, it could be taking a step towards your neighbors. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I love how um, I think uh, self-sufficiency can be a great thing in this area. To be like, man, if a blizzard hit for, and we, I couldn't, Leave my property for a week, I'd be fine, you know, and, uh, and uh, I could even survive for a long time or whatever. Like, there, there's a value, I think, in kind of living on acreages, living in the country. Like, there's a, there is a legitimate value towards, like, being able to survive where some people, like, are just have all that done for them in the city or whatever it may be. Um, so there's a self-sufficiency, but I think that could lead to isolation so easy. And, and we could live lives where it's like, man, I, I, nobody knows me. And uh, nobody knows really what's going on or the real me. And not in a rumor mill way, but in a genuine caring for one another because of how much Jesus cares for us and loves us. And so a huge step could be just stepping towards a neighbor and truly investing in their lives. Having people, Patty and I are, are moving towards trying to have one day a week in the evening where we just say that night every week is just devoted to just inviting people over that we don't usually have over, you know, and just to intentionally be like, let's get to know them. Let's get to know their story. I know God is doing things in their lives. So, so, so that I feel like is a step for us. And uh, man, some people, the step in the Jordan River could be coming to Jesus, giving your lives fully to Jesus and being like, man, I've seen enough. I've seen enough to, to take that step. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I trust him. I know he's there. I know he's inviting me into that and taking the step of faith, trusting Jesus as your Savior. And I think if it's not true to you or it's not clear to you kind of where God is, is calling you to step into and to step forward in faith and to trust him, to be strong and courageous in him, I would just pray and just be like, God, would you show me Talk to other people. It's a great, we'll be talking about this uh, in the next couple weeks in community group of just being like, hey, would you show me, Lord, because I know you're not playing hide and go seek with my life, and I don't want to play at church. I want to really walk with you. I want clarity in that for my good and for your glory. So, um, man, our Jesus, who has all authority in heaven on earth, humbly says, I want to commune with you. That's not a word that we use very often. I don't say to Patty, like, hey, we should commune together, right? But there's, there's an intimacy in, in community, in communing, in coming together. And one of the things that Jesus actually created for his church is communion. And communion is taking his, 
his body, which is represented by, uh, by the bread, and it's taking it and, and recognizing that his life was lived in my place. And so as we take the bread, we're communing with him as he's present with us and taking that. And then his blood, so the darker color red is wine, the lighter color is juice, obey your conscience there. Uh, his blood, which was shed for us to wash us white as snow. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you'll be taking Panera bread and drinking wine that's uh, produced by my brother in Iowa and grape juice, white grape juice, um, and that's it. And so um, what I would encourage you to do is uh, you can take this, it's okay, either way, but instead take Jesus. Put your faith in him, put your trust in him. There are warnings in Scripture towards taking communion, and those warnings are for those who are followers of Jesus and who take this in just a flippant manner, who don't consider the holiness of our God. And the call to all of us who are following Jesus is whenever we come near through the table, we should be repenting of our sins. We should be, uh, Scripture even tells us, like, if you know that you are in, in um, conflict with somebody, you should just skip this and just go and make it right with them. Because this represents a table of forgiveness, a table of great cost where Jesus gave all that he had so that we could draw near to him. And so, uh, so this should be a sacred, a holy moment, a triumphant moment, of a, a freeing time, but it shouldn't be a taken lightly time. So the way that we do it here uh, typically is that uh, we'll just have people serving and just go ahead and just rip, uh, rip some of the bread. It's okay if you get a lot of it and you have to chew it uh, for a while. Uh, Jesus didn't give us just a little bit of himself. Uh, he is extravagant in his love towards us. And so, so take some bread, take the, the wine, the juice, and hold on to it. And then we'll go back uh, to your seats. We'll all just stay standing and then we'll take it together as family. So let's come, let's respond.